Can we just praise God? Can we just praise Him today? If you've been saved by that blood, if you've been touched by that cross, Lord, we bless the name of Jesus in this house. We glorify the name of Jesus in this house. We lift up that name as above every other name in this house, God. We thank you that you are a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, that you are the Prince of Peace, Lord. We love you, Lord, today. We bless you, Lord, today. We thank you, Lord, today. Church, it's been a rough week for me. It's been a rough week because somebody in here today has not let me rest all week. And as I was preparing and, and, and studying my sermon, I, I think I've studied way more than I, I normally do. And, 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 I, and I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't write a sermon last night. And then the Lord laid you on my heart. And, I, and he just had me write just for you. And I thought, Lord, we're going to retool the whole sermon for one person? He says, no. We're going to retool the whole sermon and the service for the one because I'm about a God who leaves 99 for the one and so the worship team don't know this and neither did I until about 10 seconds ago but I'm just going to preach right now because this is the moment and we got a lot of other things we got to do today still a lot of other things to do today but this is this moment the God of all heaven it's stopping everything for you. So before we sit down, will you pray with me? That hearts will be open, Father in heaven. If it's not you, then it's nobody. If you don't do it, God, nobody can. So I pray, Father, today it may be the person on our right or it may be the person on our left, Lord, but I know, I know that at least one in here today has caught your attention, has caught your heart. And I pray today, Father, as you speak a word to them, that they'll receive this word. Their life will be changed by the power of your word. And I pray, God, that in days and months and years for God, we'll look back to this moment. And we'll see, God, how incredible you were, how loving you were, God, how you're willing, God, to leave the 99 in search of the one. That's the God that we serve. So, Father, I pray in this moment, Lord, have your way. Have your way. We align our will. We align our agenda with yours. This is not our service. Lord, this is your time for us to worship you. And we do this in whatever way you dictate. Jesus' name, we pray. And then you may be seated. Thanks, sir. I knew the Lord had laid on my heart. Boy, let me skip past these notes. <clears throat> I knew the Lord had laid on my heart earlier. Um, that this season 
was going to be a season for salvation. And we just came through a series of faith, and the Lord was speaking, and I loved it. Really, I wanted just to continue that so bad, but, um, but you only do what the Lord tells you to do. And so he just put on my heart that, there, that the one, that this is the season, Scott, the reason why I came to the earth was to restore relationships. That's why I did that. And so I feel like the Lord is just retooling everything. We're going to start this series called He Shall Be Called. And one of those things we're going to talk about today is the Prince of Peace. But as I was studying, I literally just was, it was 4.30 and I was looking at the whiteboard that I had in my house. And, and I'm trying to write notes. I've been writing and I've, I've wrote sermons all day long. And I've backed it up and do it again over and over again. And I'm just sitting before the, the whiteboard and I say, Lord, i got to preach tomorrow. I need a word, and I heard nothing. And I remember a wise man told me, he said, Scott, when you don't hear God speaking, it's because he's already spoke. Go back to listen to what he said. So I went back, and I said, okay, Lord, then they're going to be here. What I want to say to you before I begin is simply this. Is that man, he loves you. He overwhelmed me just today when I was just worshiping. He overwhelmed me just so I would remember that love that I, I experienced. When I tried to get away from him just the night before, I was cursing God and praying he would leave me alone. And the next morning I was at church and he found me. And I'm praying he would do the same with you today. The first thing he would ask me or he would have me say to you is simply this. You don't have peace. How do you know I'm, I'm talking to you? How do you know you're the one? You probably already know to some degree. But here's how you know for sure is that you don't have peace. You don't have peace because Isaiah 57, 21 says, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And that feels strong. Oh, are you saying I'm wicked? I'm saying if you're not walking in agreement with the Lord, you're wicked. And, and, and notice this, this is Isaiah, and he's talking to the people of God. He's talking to Israel. Israel is his beloved. Israel is, is, is what he, he said, I, I, I'm the one that made you. There was no such thing as a Jew or a Hebrew until I made a covenant with Abraham. I am your true father. I am your source. I am your provision. I'm the one that started this whole thing. I brought you out. I multiplied you. I fed you. I clothed you. I'm the one who loves you. I care for you. I made, I overcome all of your enemies for you. I made you unlike any other people in all the earth. But he says, after he says he'll restore them because they're walking in wrong ways, he says, but there is no peace for the wicked, Israel. If you don't walk in agreement with the Lord, you're walking in unrighteousness. You're walking in wickedness. And he's saying there's no peace for you. You see, you can't buy that. You, you can't earn that. You can't make that. You can't create that. Our fingers and our hands are not skillful. Our mind's not that talented. Peace only comes with the Prince of Peace. Peace only comes with the Father. And the second thing I want you to know this morning is simply this, is that you may have other things in life, but you don't have peace. We can have a lot of other things in life, but we can't ever have peace. Peace is not a byproduct of anything you or I can produce. 
We can't produce peace, and we can't find peace in any other way other than Christ alone. But Israel thought they could do this. Israel thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go around my way, about my way, and do what I want to do. And, and the funny thing was is that Israel was prosperous in Isaiah. We look back through Isaiah 5, 8. It says, woe to those who join house to house. They got that, they got that block house, right? Field to field, and there is no more room. 5.11 says, woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. So there's no oppression going on. They're not worried about the enemy coming in. They are living in a lap of luxury and pleasure. In verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 of Isaiah says, their land is filled with silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. Israel understands what it's like to be prosperous, but without peace. And so, so don't hear me to say this morning that I'm talking to you that you lack something, some goal or some accolade that this world has to offer you. What I'm talking to you this morning about is something that you don't have and you can't have if it's what you're trying to do. And the crazy thing is, is that as you try harder to have it, you don't know, you're, you, you've done everything you, you possibly can, you have great relationships, you have great success, you, you have all the pleasures of life, hobbies, friends, but you don't have peace. And the reason you don't have peace is because you're still walking to the beat of your own drum. But what is peace? Peace actually means completeness. It means wholeness. We see this in Job 5.24. It says, you shall know that your tent is at peace, and you shall inspect your fold and miss nothing. Peace is missing nothing. Do you know you can have peace and not own anything? You can, be a, you can have peace and be alone. You can have peace and have all that you ever need. But you can have the opposite. You can have all those other things and still miss peace. Peace is the completion. It is the fulfillness. It is the, it is the wholeness of God that says that all that we're looking for, you and I, when we sin, and we inherited sin through Adam, when we came into this world, you and I, we came into a place where we, were, we did not come in whole because we came in not in peace with our Creator. And that lack, that incompletion is what you and I will always search for. You and, I will, you and I will always be hungry for. I even find it in my life that sometimes when I'm feeding the flesh more than I'm feeding the spirit, I notice my peace diminishes because I'm choosing other gods in my life to be my source and my provider. And I have to dial back what I'm doing because I realize I'm trusting in things that I should not be trusting in. And how I know that is I know his peace leaves me. It's a sign to me. And today you have a sign as well. That whatever you have, whatever you've tried, you still find no fulfillment. You still, you still find no completion in, in who you are and what you've done. Because you were made to seek peace. When you're pretending to have peace, you actually are denying the truth for the appearance of wholeness. And I say that again, when you pretend to have peace, because that's what we try to do. We have all these other things in our life, 
to help us cope, to help us numb ourselves, to overcome the feeling that we have. We can't, we can't, we can't satiate it by any means because we're trying all these things that don't fit. And, and what we do is we pretend to have peace. When we pretend to have peace, we're actually just denying the, the truth for the appearance of wholeness. I don't, I'm not going to say in this church, but I know that in the church I grew up most of my life, I saw many people come in with pretended truth, pretended wholeness, and no peace. And I feel like that's even a more desperate place than realizing you don't have it, than thinking that you do and it's actually a lie. False peace is holding on to a lie and hoping for a sense of wholeness that isn't real. It's, it's holding on to a lie and hoping for a sense of wholeness, but it's never real. That lie may be for you that I have all the money I need. I have all the pleasures I need. I have all the friends I need. I have all the success I need. I have whatever I might need. But in the end, these things are just lies. That's exactly what Israel was saying. Israel was saying, we have this, we have that. We have silver and gold. We have, we have the work of our hands. We have the success that we've done. And at the very end of the day, God told them through the prophet Isaiah, there is no peace for you. Because what you're doing doesn't produce peace. So the question is, is you may have all the other things that you need. You may have all the money and friends and whatever that you might need. But here's the thing is, do you have all the peace that you need? Because when all those things go away, hear me, they will. The longer you live, the older you become, the more those things are tested. And when those things are tested, will they stand up? Will they stand up to the storms that come? That's exactly what God's message was to, to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. He says in Ezekiel chapter 13, 10 through 14, precisely because they have misled my people saying peace when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets, they smear it with whitewash. I've talked about that before. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind break out. And when the wall falls, will it not be said to you, where is the coating? Where is all the things that you look to convince yourself that you had peace? You smeared it. Therefore, says the Lord, God says, I, notice he says, I, not when the storm comes, but I will make a storm, stormy wind break out in my wrath, and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. Peace is not insurance. Peace is a guarantee. If you don't have it, you will be tested. Because a storm is coming. And if I break down the wall and that you have smeared with this whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare and you'll be exposed. And when it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it and you shall know that I am the Lord. How will you know that it is the Lord? When he exposes your lack. When he exposes your lack of peace. He says you can have all the lies in the world that you might need. Money, pleasure, friends, success. But it means nothing because when the Lord sends a rain, he's going to expose the cracks. He's going to expose the lack of peace in your life because peace is a whole wall without cracks. 
Peace is a complete wall. And when we have Christ, we have this strong tower. We have this refuge. We have this completion that we can rest in that no matter what storm comes, because storms are not just God's storms. We see that there are storms that he brings and there are storms that just come. But God is saying that when storms come, you need not worry about those storms. Because I, your peace, will go before you. And so the question is, is what things are we holding on to to make us feel like we're secure? What things are we holding on to, to, to for us to lie to ourselves to think that our flimsy wall is going to, to stand the test? Can I say something a bit radical to you this morning? Jesus is the storm. It's hard for us to think that way because we expect him to be this little man in a, in a, in a manger, a little baby, Soft and cuddly, but he is the storm. He is the storm. Jesus will expose your false peace because he is the true peace. And your false peace is mocking his true peace. And he cannot be fully God and allow you to claim that you have some alternative or you have some level of godhood because you have a peace that may be close to his or is like his. He knows a false peace, so therefore the true peace will come down and destroy and judge anything that would make light or diminish his statement about him being the true peace. Matthew 10, 34 says, Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Luke 12, 51 says, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Division from what? Division from anything that makes you think that he is not the truth, that he is not the peace. And he says in John 18, 37, for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. He has come to bear witness to the truth of your wall. He's come to test it. He came to show you that you are not whole, that you are not complete, and that is why you do not have peace. Listen to me this morning. The storm is coming. And I felt that in my spirit deep. I don't know who you are. And I, you know what? You may, you may have been in this church a long time. You may have been as faithful the Lord would say, if you don't have peace, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Because the storm is coming. Your wall will be tested, and the truth of your cracks will be exposed. One of these days, Jesus will return, and he'll pour out the wrath of God on all flesh. Did you know that it says in Isaiah 63, 4, for the day of vengeance was in my heart. This is Jesus talking here. And my year of redemption had come. There'll be a day that God is looking forward to, that Jesus is looking forward to, to exercise his vengeance upon the earth. He's going to come for all those who have mocked him and who have inflicted unrighteousness on his, on his beloved body, on his bride. Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, their lies, they suppress the truth. We have to let know. We have to let go of those lies. And acknowledge the fact that the peace that we don't have really is the truth. It's not that we have everything else. It's that we don't have him. But here's the great news. Jesus comes and deals with the effects of the storm. That's what you need to know. The Lord has not come here with a, a heavy hand like 
Zeus to hold up a lightning bolt to zap you. That is not my God. That is not my God, although he is rightfully, he could. He could destroy you and turn you into powder as we sit. He could turn you to a pillar of salt right now and be justified. All of us in here, he could be justified. That's not in his heart. That's not who Jesus is. For we see that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You were not created with the purpose to be damned and destroyed and sent to hell. That was never your purpose. He always had a plan for you to redeem you. His plan was for you to know his peace. But you have to choose his peace. God never wanted to send the storm to tear down your wall. But your whitewashed wall, your false peace, your idols, they, they mock him. And God cannot be fully God. If he allows other idols to stand in opposition to him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, 9 through 10. says, for they themselves report concerning the kind of reception we had among you. And how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus delivers us from two things. He delivers us from, from the wrath when we allow him to deliver us from our idols. That's what they did. Now you say, Pastor Scott, I don't really serve any idols. I didn't ask you if you had any three-foot statues in your house. What I'm asking you is, what is the God in your life? Here's how you can identify the God in your life. I'll identify the God of my life. The God of my life is the one who provides for me. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my source. Therefore, he is my God. What I'm asking you today is, is who's your source? Who's your provider? Who do you run to? Because that is your God. And if that God is not the God, then it is an idol. Listen to me. God wants you to look to him for the provision of peace. He is the prince of peace. In the same situation Israel was in, when Isaiah was talking to them, they were in a place that they had what they had. They had these idols, and they had all the silver and the gold and all the fun. They were living a great life. But what I want you to know this morning is that all of those things pulled them away from God. And while they were living a great life, the Lord says, right now, I'm stirring up an army, Syria, Syria is known because they're, they're, they're tied to the Tigris River. He says, I'm bringing up Assyria right now, and they're going to overflow your, ba your banks. They're going to bring so much judgment and destruction, you're going, to, you're going to be so low. You're going to cry out to me, and I'll not hear you. But in the midst of all of your disparity, here's what Jesus, here's what God says in the form of Jesus. He says, for unto us, in the midst of this calamity and the midst of this gloom and despair and darkness and thick fog is what the, what the word says. He says in the midst of that, he says, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and upon his shoulders shall be the, the government. He shall bear the government on his shoulders, and we shall call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace, which is unique because they're about to wander into a season where there is no peace. 
And I'm going to tell you this morning is that your God is known to speak hope in a situation of hopelessness. Even if you don't perceive it. Even if you don't realize that your worshiping of other gods is hopelessness. The Lord says, the storm is coming. Assyria is coming. But don't fret. Don't even despair. Even though it comes to purify and restore the balance. That's what God's trying to do. He's trying to restore the balance. He said, when, it's, when it comes, I want you to remember, I sent the one who could restore that balance for you, who could bring peace to you. And so how do you have this peace? How do you have the prince of peace, the prince of wholeness, the prince of completion? He wants you first to have the peace of God, but before you have the peace of God, you must have peace with God. You must have peace with God. In fact, the peace ladder works like this. First, you have peace with God. Then you can have the peace of God. Then you can have peace with yourself before peace with others ever comes about. And God never guarantees peace with others while he's here on this earth. There'll be one day he'll come back and he will establish all peace between all mankind. But the only peace that he can guarantee right now in this season of life is peace with him and the peace that comes to overwhelm this world or to endure this world and the peace that it takes for us to endure ourselves. Because oftentimes we're at conflict with ourselves. So my question to you this morning is, is how do you have the peace with God? Do you know how to, do you know how to have peace with God? Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that faith is how you have peace with God. And it is a faith that justifies you. What does that mean? Faith, believing that Christ is who he says he is, that he died and he rose again. And when you have that type of faith, that faith makes you justified. In other words, just as if you've never sinned before, just as if you never had a problem, the Lord puts you in a place and establishes you as royalty and, and an, an inheritor to his, his throne, or with him to his throne. And so what we see is that we must come to him through faith and not works. Not works because a lot of times we think we're going to come to Jesus, we're going to trust in him, but first we're going to, and that first we're going to tells me you're not coming to him in faith. Because we're based in a, in a works-based uh, culture, right? If you want it, go earn it, go, go, go make it happen. But that is not how it comes about. You cannot undo your past sins. You cannot start speaking right. You cannot start doing right. If you want to come to God, the scripture says, he that comes to God must first believe that he is. It's just a faith thing and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You must come to him in a right faith, but it is just faith. And when we do that, we trust in him, knowing that his cross it, it restores our relationship with him. Why? Because he bled for us. I, I, I love that saying that I, I, one day I was just writing down, and I didn't mean to even to really pin it the way it did, but really he hung in our place so we could stand in his. You didn't deserve to stand in righteousness. But can I tell you also that he endured his wrath so we could have his peace. He endured his wrath so we could have his peace. 
You don't have to go through that storm this morning. Today, as Morgan comes, I just want to, I want to ask you, first off, let me just talk to the church. I think it's important that we, we deal with the fact that in our lives, there may be someone living in our house or working next to us in our cubicle or wherever it might be, that they don't have peace with God. And so this morning, I want to open the altars for those of us who have someone close in our life that does not have peace with God. Because can I tell you, you're one of the greatest reasons that they will have restored peace with God. How they see you live, how they see you go through the other storms of life, not Jesus as the storm, but how they see you go through those other storms, their eyes are on you. How you walk through those suffering moments. We talked about faith the last few weeks and how we walk in that faith is letting them know that's the kind of faith and that's the kind of God I can trust in. So this morning, can I ask you, is there someone in your life that needs peace restored with God. When you think about it, does it go deep? I'm not talking about flippant conversations with people and acquaintances. I mean, that one person you look at and your heart breaks because you know they don't have peace. You know they're hurting. I would challenge you today leave your comfort zones and to pay the price and pray for them. I mean, not just pray for them, but I mean intercede. God, it is your will that none should perish. Make me a part of your will being played out in their life that they may not perish. That's what the body does. And then lastly, whoever you are. I did what I did out of obedience, and I'm praying that you'll respond to the Lord in obedience. Because I can guarantee you there is no greater decision I've ever made in my entire life. When I came to that altar in my church right over here, I was on my way to a lot of bad things. And the fact that I'm even here today speaks of his grace what I want you to know is is that the Lord has has crafted a day for you and and I'm not I'm not asking you to come just to give your life and for the Lord to forgive you and take the shame and the pain no I believe something more significant than this I believe that whoever responds today the Lord has something for you and I, I want to say something great because I don't know what his plan is But I know that the change that's going to happen in you is going to be a perpetual, permanent change. You've always been struggling with this. You've never been able to really step forward. Maybe maybe you've tried faith and you stepped back out of it. Maybe you've, you've thought about it. But I know that today, the Lord has showed me that this decision today is going to be a permanent one for you. It's going to be a lasting one for you. And you're going to know it is 
because of the peace that you'll walk out of here with. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Church, when you pray like that person sitting next to you, they could be the one. They might be the one. Father in heaven, I don't have anything else to say or to do. It's, it's just you. It's just you. Oh God, I, I pray. I pray, oh God, that the same loving Father that just held me so tight and all I want to do was reject him, God, would be here today and that you would meet that person today, God, that you're talking to even now. Holy Spirit, I pray you prompt them. I pray you draw them. I pray you lead them, not just to the altar, but from it. Show them the journey. Show them the peace of it. Pray in Jesus' name. Here's what I want to do. If, if you have a, a lost one, a loved one, that you need to pray for, would you come and begin to pray for them? Now, I know we can't handle everybody here. And so if you'll just turn at your seat too. If you can't make it in, you can't. But if you're that person I'm talking to today, I'm going to be right here at this altar. I want you to come meet me.